Hey everybody, thanks again for joining us for Everything Combat. One more episode to put in the logs here. I'm joined by my co-host, Jeffrey Wilson. And Jeff, I'm going to let you do the honor of introducing our guest. I, of course, watched the epic fight many years ago live on TV. Uh, and this, this young lady is the sister of one of the combatants that's, you know, a guy that's stuck in my memory forever. And, and uh, hopefully this... This episode episode will shed some light on, you know, what happened that night and since then, and uh, hopefully we can raise some money for for this legend of com- combative sports. Absolutely, man. Thank you. And you know, obviously, this is called everything combat, and it's not just about necessarily physical combat in the ring and the octagon, etc. The little tagline for the show is because life is a fight, and we all have our different fight in life. Whether it was C.T. Fletcher talking about his heart transplant. Um, anybody and this this story here that we're going to listen to is another uh, is no exception to that to that tagline life is definitely a fight well going back to the history of things where this really kind of all started I mean obviously Gerald McClellan is his name the G-man former two-time middleweight champion on February 25th 1996 in London England he fought uh, middleweight or two-time middleweight champion Gerald fought uh, first time stepping up to I believe it was super middleweight in his fight against then-champion Nigel Benn in London. Uh, it was a crazy fight. The first round, in my humble opinion, it should have been over. Uh, Gerald tagged him while he was against the ropes and knocked Nigel out of the ring. Uh, looked like it was kind of a long count to me, but later on in the fight, I believe it was the 10th round, Gerald suffered some kind of injury, and we're going to talk about what exactly happened. His sister is an absolute soldier. His sisters are absolute soldiers, and they have stepped up low these last 20 some years and helped Gerald as he has needed assistance um, in pretty much all walks of life. She's going to kind of explain what the injuries detailed. And uh, but first of all, I want to say happy anniversary to the champion because on this day in 1991, Gerald McClellan beat John the Beast Mugabe in the first round to win the vacated WBO middleweight title. Lisa McClellan, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate your time. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. Well, always, uh, always want to thank our guests for being generous with their time, and you are absolutely no exception. Um, sound like you've been uh, yesterday. You weren't sure if you were going to make it. Do you want to kind of speak to some of the things going on in your life, your your personal life that kind of uh, have come up recently? Well, actually, twenty five years later, I think I'm just getting old, and <laughs> life is just different. Um, Gerald is, um. I, I do a lot of lifting every day. And um, a couple years ago, I had a, a torn rotator, so I had to rehabilitate from that. And then um, yesterday, I had a surgical procedure because I had two ruptured tendons in each hand. So I had that fixed yesterday. Um, it was a bad day yesterday, but I felt a lot better this morning. So. I'm good today. Well, when you said you had gone through that, I was like, please take your time to heal. There's no rush. But you hit me up this morning. We're like, you know, when we can do it. I was like, yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the fight in the McClellans right there. Sorry, Pat. Go ahead. Yeah, that, that's that's injuries you've received basically from taking care of Gerald and lifting him up constantly, right? Yep. Just over usage of my ligaments, my tendons. Just, I mean, it's been 25 years, and um, it's, things are just harder to maintain now right i'm guessing you're still pretty dang strong though 
Um, yeah, I do. He's he's probably about two hundred and forty pounds right now. He's so, that he's that heavy. Yes. Wow, you are lifting some. You are lifting some weight. And and probably fifty percent of the time, I'm doing like one hundred percent of the lifting, which um, I just succumbed to. Um, I've tried to do it for the last twenty five years without like use. We don't use a wheelchair. We don't use a walker. I make him walk everywhere we go just so he don't lose the little ability that he has. Right. So um, lately I'm I'm more willing to try, like, different devices. So um, right now we're in the process of getting a, like, a ceiling lift. So it'll do the lifting for me. Okay. So, <laughs> excuse me, hopefully that'll be done within the next three months and that'll kind of save a lot of wear on tear on me yeah for right. sure <laughs> you definitely got your hands full well going back to like talk about who exactly we are talking about we're talking about gerald g-man mcclellan two-time middleweight champion and you know, i like i said i first kind of caught on to him i think it was that john mugabe fight because john mugabe was a beast the name was quite appropriate and daryl just destroyed him in that first round and then I think it was the next time I'd seen him fight Julian Jackson the first time, and Julian Jackson was a beast too. And then I saw him on the undercard of the, the Julio Cesar Chavez-Frankie Randall fight, May 17th, 1994, Julian Jackson part two, and, and Gerald just destroyed him. And, you know, uh, he had fought um, Roy Jones, I think, Olympic trials or some, something when they were younger, and he had beat Roy, and Roy had even said, I want, I want nothing to do with Gerald. But, I mean, we are talking about, you know, an absolute fierce competitor and um, it, it, February 25th, 1996, if you can, um, there, I know, you know, watching kind of the documentaries and the prep, there, there were kind of some issues with management. He had left Emmanuel Stewart. Talk about kind of what was going on in Gerald's world leading up to that day. And if any of those things, if you think it could have contributed to what went down that night. Well, it was 95, February 25th, 95, the night that he actually fought Nigel. Okay, my bad. I'm sorry. And no problem. Um, he had, I, I guess it was from what I, and I've talked to Emmanuel since, and it was just like a difference of opinion. Um, Gerald was used to having all of his time. Um, he went away to train. I, I want to say one of the Klitschko's or Holyfield and Gerald was upset because he wasn't normally there. So they just kind of had a difference you know, they just split. And um, he ended up with um, some guys that we grew up with that he used to box with when we lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, when he was an amateur. Um, and they were sort of like tag-alongs. They would, you know, if he needed somebody to, you know, work the corner, or they had no business being there that night. Right. Um, <clears throat> So when, which I've never watched the fight. Um, I was going to ask you that. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Okay, sorry. Never watched it, and I don't ever want to watch it. Um, they failed Jural. I feel they failed Jural when he needed um, them the most. And to speak to, to speak to what you're saying, Lisa, you know, Stan Johnson is who you're talking about, and I'll mention him by name. Stan Johnson was a guy that used to bring guys literally looked like they got off bar stools and would bring them down to the quad cities where I live. Of course, you're 
about probably 70, 70 miles northeast of where I live uh, up there in Freeport. But uh, Stan Johnson used to bring um, supposed boxers down from Milwaukee, and these guys looked like they just just got up bar stools, and they were basically paid victims that were brought down here to the Quad City boxing boxing events to get you know the locals some some victories on the cards, and so I I know Stan's Stan's history all too well, including his disabled sister was also put in a in a in a fight that probably should have never been allowed to fight. But what? Um they had no they had no business being in um in Gerald's corner that night. Oh. Um Emmanuel told me if if he was there, Lisa, he said we would have never took the fight in England and if we had it, the fight would have been over in the first round. Um like I said, they they, they didn't have any business being in the in the fight um, with Gerald that night. I think, well, and, and the um, thing is, and, and had the Manuel Stewart been training him for that fight, <laughs> he probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have run out of gas either. And he was hurt early on. It was whether whether it was that headbutt or or what they deemed um, being the the damaging blow or the the accumulation. Um, certainly, Emmanuel Stewart would have had him trained up and prepared and ready to go. Uh, you know what? In my opinion. I don't think it was anything physically wrong as far as because Gerald was prepared to fight. I mean, I've seen Gerald get a phone call a week before a fight and go take a fight and <laughs> knock the guy out in the first round. So he he wasn't just the type of fighter that trained before a fight. This is what Gerald lived. This is what he did seven days a week. Right. Um, no matter where he was. So he was always ready. So, so, so I, I want. Think it had. I wanted to ask you, you know, you know something about something. If if it was something physical wrong with him, um, another Kronk fighter, and I don't know if this is true or not. That's why I'm asking. Uh, Tariq Salmasi said he, in a later interview, uh, sparred with McClellan before the Ben fight, and after he hit uh, Gerald with a jab, he started blinking, and in such a fashion where they had to stop the session. And there was incidents in the fight where I don't know if that was just his normal kind of tick or something was up where it looked like he was blinking a lot. Uh, you haven't seen the fight. He shared that with me as well, and and then I, I I don't know either. You know I I don't know if something was wrong prior to the fight. When Drill left home, he was his normal self. Um, so I, I'm not sure what happened, but I know. Um, I mean, even watching like just certain parts of the fight, I could tell early on. Whoa. Got a dog there. Sorry. He wasn't his normal self. He he was not his normal self, and they should have been able to identify that as well. Yeah, somebody you know, obviously who knew better. When there was not again, not having seen the fight, but I'm sure you're aware of it. And I don't know if this was attributed to conditioning, but his Gerald's mouthpiece kept coming out. Kept it was hanging out, and I don't know if that was just like you said in the documentary, him not getting enough air. Or it was just the conditioning, or I'm not like again. It's it's kind of, it's not sure where to where to not necessarily point the finger, but kind of pin down what was up. I mean, Joe has always been a tremendous athlete, um, and 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 I and I don't think even if he hadn't trained for that fight, he would have ran out of gas that early. So it, it, I don't think it was anything that he did wrong with training. I don't think it was anything like that. I think something happened. Um, 
and and it just kind of snowballed into something big. Right. And and he knew something was wrong. That's why he took the knee, because because he's not a fight. I mean, he's not a quitter. No. So no. I can only imagine in my mind, he was just trying to make it to the end of the fight. Yeah. And when he wasn't able to make it, he took the knee because he knew he was in big trouble. So what ended up being being the diagnosis from the medical team? Uh, you spent a month in the hospital. You know what? What eventually did they end up diagnosing? He had a bleed on the right side of his brain. And did they did they have to um, do surgery to relieve the pressure right away? Yep they they did the surgery. They um, we got in a phone call um, that evening because it was like a six hour delay. And um, the call came from Donnie Pendleton, who was the second guy in Gerald's corner. He said, oh, we just called to let you guys know that Gerald lost the fight, and they took him to the hospital for observation. Within five minutes, he called back, and he said, they're rushing Gerald into emergency surgery. If you guys don't give permission, he'll be dead in five minutes. Oh, my goodness. And um, that's the way it went. And... It took probably four days before we can get um, different family members there. Um, none of us had passports. Um, so four days later, we got family there, and um, they um, um, got them taken care of. Um, it was... My sister, my aunt, and Gerald's girlfriend that actually went over first. And um, they um, they went over first. They had um, most of the information that they could obtain about Gerald's care had to come from Don King, which I had a problem calling the hospital and, and, and had to be given permission to get information about Gerald. So I went to the American embassy and and created a fuss because I didn't feel like Don should have been making that call. So um, long story short, we got Gerald transferred. Um, they kept saying he wasn't um, ready to be moved, but nothing was, I mean, nothing was happening. It was, he was laying in bed every day on, on life support. So Don ended up moving him to a place in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And um, he got him moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan. And from then we went and got him and we moved him to a place in Wisconsin where he recovered until like August that year. And then we brought him home. Wow. Man, well, going back to kind of the end of the fight, I'm starting kind of, to kind of rewind a little bit. Had he said anything in the fight? Because I had heard and I'd read that he had said he wanted to stop in the fight, that he didn't want to fight anymore during the fight. Had you heard anything about that? Donnie, I went over. I got a phone call probably about two weeks later because I stayed back here. Um, so I got a phone call like maybe a week after they got back, Donnie and Stan, and those guys flew back to Wisconsin. Um, Donnie called me and he's like, we need to talk to you. There's so much stuff going on. So I went over 
drove over to Wisconsin, and at the time I was in nursing school, and I had my tape recorder in the back seat, so I stuck it in my pocket. So I recorded the whole conversation, and they were saying, Don paid somebody to put something on Drew's mouthpiece, and Don told us we better not talk. Well, I gave the tape to the FBI, which um, I wasn't, I guess, because they didn't know I was recording them. It wasn't admissible. But when the FBI went to do a deposition, they denied that it was them on the tape. So that basically led nowhere. But um, so just I'm just to recap, just to recap that statement, because that's pretty huge. And I have never heard that before. Someone that you had spoke to affiliated with the Don King camp or Don King said that they had put something on Gerald's mouthpiece. No, no, no. The the guys, Stan Johnson and Donnie Pendleton. Oh, okay. When they got back to Wisconsin, they called me and they said, you need to get over here. We really need to talk to you. So when I went over, I put my tape recorder in my pocket and I recorded about two hours of everything that happened while they were over in England. I went home. I listened to the tape. I gave the tape um, to a guy named Warren Flagg that was investigating Don King on a bunch of other things that he was involved in. Gave the tape to Warren. Um, Warren went to Don, the FBI went to Donnie and Stan for a deposition and they denied that it was them on the tape. So in the media, um, Don accused the FBI of paying me $200,000, which (laughs) was, 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 the furthest thing from the truth because after Gerald got hurt, I I didn't go back to work because I didn't know if we were going to be, if I was going there next, it just wasn't a need to go back to work until we knew he was going to be okay. Right. So, and literally I had zero income. So, I mean, it was a time when like my utilities were going to be threatened to be shut off. But he was saying that the FBI had given me $200,000 to say this stuff against him and that. But it ended up with Don saying that he had paid a bunch of medical bills that he never paid, that he actually paid as a result of um, this incident. But um, they denied saying the stuff on the tape. But one of the things that Donnie Pendleton told me... me was that girl there? Feel like water running tonight. So, how much did Don King end up? Is there is there a concrete number that Don King actually uh, donated or had to pay or anything like that towards Gerald's care and and medical expenses? Okay, Gerald's okay. purse was sixty-seven thousand. Yeah. I'm sorry, we got a little echo going on. Pat, did you move your mic or something? No, no. Um, but Gerald's, wait a minute. Say Gerald's purse was $67,000. That's it? He received $67,000 for the Nigel Ben fight. Dear God. Wow. And there was the rehabilitation center that Gerald was in in Milwaukee. Don had said in an interview that he was the one paying the bills. So I supplied the unpaid bills that they weren't paid. And so I think of the total of those bills was like 32000 at the time. So he did send a check for 32000 to cover that, which was probably like 
maybe a half a month stay at the rehabilitation hospital. He oh. paid that and probably, which he said that he taken care of all the expenses from my family, flying everybody out, the hotel, food, all the accommodations. But I later got a call from the BBC that there was an insurance policy on the fight that Don was the beneficiary, that Don cashed in the policy. So then he said, oh, that's the money that I used to take care of your family. So at one time he said it was out of his pocket, which the, the, the plane ride back to the U.S. was like 98000 He said he paid that out of pocket. Well, then when I went after that policy, then supposing that's where all that money was used for. So he didn't get any of that either. Wow, Don King. So does he? I'm, I'm assuming. I'm assuming he at least gets government disability and stuff, right? Oh yeah, yes, yes. Which is not a king's ransom by any means. I mean, that's probably just enough to put some food in the fridge. I mean, you have to think about it. Joe was 25 years old, so he he gets what he's paid into Social Security at 25 years. Right. Wow. Right. Wow. So. Excuse me. How as as Gerald kind of settled in and you know started to get better, how aware was he of everything that kind of went down? I know that he had suffered some memory loss due to the brain injury, so how how aware of everything is he or was he? He don't remember anything that happened in England that night. Um I we have conversations where he asks me what happened, why is he blind, how come he can't see and and I tell him the version that I want him to know right. of what happened that right. night. You know, um, he always want to know if if he got knocked out. That's his biggest issue. And and I just paint the picture to, you know, so it's not hurtful for him. But I, I and saw. That's what he was I saw um, it was another Sports Illustrated piece, and I forget the gentleman's name. He was a photographer that came and visited you guys, and you would explain. You told Gerald you just said his first name, and then Gerald said the last name, so he remembered, you know, back to whoever this photographer was. I forget his name. Do you remember who I'm talking about? Teddy Blackburn. Oh, he, he his, his memory is wonderful. I mean, he don't he don't have any short term memory, but his his long term memory is great. Oh, I mean, okay. He remembers every last one of his fights, what round it ended in. He could tell you his memory's probably better than mine. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, obviously, you know, this has been rough for the whole family. But it, um, I think it was 2007. There was a, a fundraiser. Um, it was overseas. I forget exactly where it was. But it was the first time Nigel, Ben, and, and Gerald had come together since that night. Now, obviously, that was the first time you had seen Nigel and had a chance to speak to Nigel. I mean, I can't even imagine that moment, what was that like when you guys kind of first laid eyes on each other and first had a chance to parse this out, I guess? The most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. Wow. And we had actually, it, it was in England. We went back to England and, <coughs> excuse me, um, I, um, the day before we were actually there two days before we actually met with Nigel because he actually we made it there before he did because he came from Spain and so the day before I, I, I couldn't do it I, I, I could not face the man that had drastically changed our lives so much I didn't want to see him I, I didn't want to see him I didn't want to be there 
if I could have got a plane out of there that night, we would have left. And I, I prayed about it, thought about it, prayed about it. And, and one of the big things for me with, with coming there was I wanted to put the whole situation behind me and move on. So I, I, I wanted forgiveness. I wanted, right. I just wanted closure. Well, because early on he and, did make statements like better him than me, like kind of the night of the fight, like a couple days. I mean, he had made some pretty harsh statements. Obviously, you know, that many years right. later things had changed. And I'd heard you say in the, in the documentary, like, you know, you you didn't want him around anymore, <laughs> Nigel Ben. Well, you know, it was it was some guy did a book and said that I was in England saying I wanted Nigel dead. First of all, the first time I went to England was in 2007. And I was scared as hell to be over there. Right. So I definitely didn't even want anybody to know I was there. So um, I don't know where that came from, but I've never, never, ever wished, wished death on Nigel. There's no way I could ask God to spare Gerald's life and then ask somebody else's life to be lost. Right, that is right. absolutely not the truth. Okay. Was I mad? I was mad as hell. <laughs> and, sure. But he came to our room um, and I, I, I was sitting on the bed and someone answered the door and he kneeled down beside me and he probably cried for like 15 minutes before we even said anything. Wow. And I, I looked at him, and it seemed like a lot of the hurt. I don't know if it was looking in his eyes, or it just seemed like it. It. it I wasn't angry anymore. So I took him over to talk to Gerald, and um, right away Gerald knew who he was, and and it was Gerald still had his sense of humor, and. When I, I put Gerald's hand in his hand and, and I said, Gerald, it's Nigel Ben. And he started rolling up his sleeve. And I'm like, Gerald, what are you doing? And he said, I'm getting ready to knock this motherfucker out. And I'm like, oh, my God. That's awesome. And then Gerald started laughing. So it kind of broke the ice. Wow. And then Gerald said to Nigel, man, you almost took my life. And everybody lost it. I mean, I, Gerald got so emotional, I made them stop the camera because I felt like that wasn't a moment for everybody to see. I, I thought that was something that should have been really private, you know. And then Nigel got extremely emotional and yeah, he had to step away. With, it ended up with my aunt, Linda, on the floor like cradling Nigel like a baby as he was crying. That's just how emotional it got. It was very emotional. Wow. And um, so we got past that, and um, we spent a couple hours together, him and Gerald talking, me talking to him, spent a lot of time talking to his daughter and his dad, and, and they had shared some things that, you know, they went through as a family. You know, it, it wasn't, everything wasn't easy for them. You know, it was suicides and suicide yeah. attempts and, you know, and it, and it really softened my heart towards the whole situation. So when we left there, I was totally at peace. Wow. I mean, obviously, I mean, you just kind of explain it, but man, how much of a, of a, of a weight was that just off your shoulder, your heart, your spirit, your soul that you had kind of carried that for so long? Oh yeah. And, and I, I was very angry. 
and, and it wasn't angry that so much angry that Gerald had gotten hurt. It was just how insensitive he was about the whole situation. Wow. But I mean, I did learn that um, he he said he stayed at the hospital um, with Gerald until um, my sister and my aunt got there. They suggested that he leave. So, you know, I learned a lot of those things that the media didn't tell us. Yeah, I had never heard that that uh, that Nigel stayed there, was there with him. Yeah, well, that's what he told me. <clears throat> well, and yeah, and I mean, you know, it's not like watching the documentary and kind of following Nigel's career. I mean, it's not like, yeah, he, he definitely was going through his stuff, like you said, even suicide attempts, um, you know. And he blamed, he blamed a portion of that. That obviously in his drug use and kind of an implosion on uh, a lot of a lot of guilt he had over that fight with with Gerald, right? Say that again. I'm sorry. I'm saying Nigel Ben his his drug use and subsequent suicide attempt and all that sort of stuff. He he blamed you know obviously at least a portion of that in his mind on the guilt he was he was dealing with over the fight with with your brother, right? Yes. I'm sure that you know I, I, I being a professional fighter for many years, um, never dealt with with um, having an opponent end up in that kind of shape, you know, afterward. But certainly can't sit well with anybody. I know that um, uh, God, what's Ray Boom Boom Mancini went through some serious stuff after yeah. uh, Kim passed away. So it's I, I Sugar Ray Sugar Ray Robinson. Serious. So somebody uh, died after fighting, you know, with Sugar Ray, and that really that really affected his the rest of his career as well. Um, well, how is how is the G Man doing today? You were kind of speaking off air. He's had some obviously some ups and downs. So how is Gerald faring faring this day, twenty twenty five years later? We probably went about. 23 years with absolutely no problems, him being completely healthy. Um, actually, he hadn't aged a day um, <laughs> since the fight. He stayed very young looking because he didn't have any stresses we had at all. Um, and then he started, his colon stopped working. Uh. And um, we, I fought for a long, the doctor told me right away, that the best solution would be to remove his colon and he'd wear a colostomy bag. And I was immediately offended because I thought, well, they think he's blind, he's got brain damage, you know, because, you know, we'll just make him wear a colostomy bag. And I, I, I didn't want that for him. So I fought it for two years. Um, and then we ended up in a, in a situation where um, we had to do it hmm. and probably the best thing we did because he is extremely healthy with all those toxins out of his body. His brain is functioning better. His complexion is better. He's healthier and he's super huge. <laughs> Before super the huge. surgery, he, he was a 30. Now he's a 40. Does he get and I don't you don't have to mention any names, but I was kind of talking to Pat, obviously, uh, before the show. And I, I don't I don't mean to mischaracterize it, but it just seems to me that the boxing community. I, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I know the boxing community at, at certain point in times have been very generous and very helpful. I, I guess more individual fighters have have has he had visits from from of his old 
friends or, or you know, tr- you know, people who used to work with? Um, for a fundraiser, Evander Holyfield and Joe Frazier came down. Um, Teddy Blackburn, um, which was a photographer, he came pretty quite often, maybe once a year. Um, <laughs> you had said you tried to put something together and had you know guest guest appearances scheduled, but none of them showed up. Is that accurate? Right. It was at a bad time. It was in February. Um, <coughs> all of his friends from Detroit was supposed to come down. And the person that was chartering the bus ended up getting sick. And so that was canceled, which had most of the fighters from Crump mm. on the bus. So they weren't able to make it. Um, Bronco McGirt, I think that's his name. He came. Um, and then we've gone other places. I mean, we've traveled quite a bit to like different boxing events and, and he's, he's met with a lot of other fighters. Um, we went to the California hall of fame and we spent some, a lot of time with Julian Jackson and his sons. Um, um, that's probably about it. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, if you want to, we'll we'll say it again before we get off the air, but if you want to bring up the website where people can send donations, because obviously we'd like to try and get some money headed your way for his care, um, because I know it's been a tough road for you guys. Um, his, his, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Lisa. Um, right now, um, I was in the, in the process of redoing the website but someone was doing it for me and with everything going on the last probably year I haven't got a chance to really follow up with it so I don't know if the information is the correct I'm sure is the correct information on the website where to send donations and then also I have a GoFundMe page that was linked to the night that I had the event um, a couple years ago that's still up and active so, okay. so the, 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 the trust you guys have at third, um, fifth, third bank, is that one? Can I shout that one out? The address to where to shoot that stuff to? No, that's, it's, 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 that's not anymore. Okay. That, okay. The fifth third was at the, there were, they were a trust company. And at the time, um, when they got involved, um, Joe had assets and since that's no longer, they were no longer needed. So okay. we don't have Fifth Third anymore. Um, they did us a favor for a couple of years and just took care of his mail, but no. So the, the um, GoFundMe isn't active anymore either, or is that act? Can we shout that no, one? No, no, no. The, the GoFundMe is active. It's just Drew McClellan. Okay, perfect. It, yeah, ladies and, and gentlemen, the if you can do that. On the website. Yeah, the, uh, it was, okay. So you said, the, and there's GeraldMcClellan.com. Is that, shout that one out? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yep, GeraldMcClellan.com. Very cool, very cool, and kind of to let you slide here, but you know, over the last few years, it, uh, obviously we've lost we lost Emmanuel Stewart. Um, Cronk Jim has burnt down. Um, just is Gerald aware of any of that, and what was his what was his thoughts when uh, Manny passed away? I keep him up on everything. Um, very emotional, um, and I did call Emmanuel's wife. He talked to Emmanuel's wife. Um, 
So he knows about Emmanuel. I haven't told him about Kronk Jim burning down, but I do keep him up with like with um um Joe Frazier um, passing, Emmanuel passing. We we do stay active on that kind of stuff. Okay. Any closing questions, Champ, for Lisa McClellan here? You know, I uh, I'm good. I'm just you know, it's it's uh, it's amazing that fine that fine line that we ride as combative athletes and who gets that bad that unlucky card and and who doesn't? You know, it's 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 uh, really really a game of roulette. And you know, your your brother inspired me a great deal. I, I watched uh, watched him an awful lot, and I, I again I was watching the the day that that happened, and it was heartbreaking. So I think about your brother. I, I think about your brother quite a bit, actually. Thank you. Welcome. Well, and Welcome. we can't thank you. I mean, you are an absolute soldier, Lisa. I mean, you're. we need more Lisa McClellans, man. You're a testament to humanity. Not a lot of family members would step up and um, and, and sacrifice like the way you have for your brother. And it's it's absolutely a beautiful thing. And if, ladies and gentlemen, if you can find it in yourself to uh, donate or help out the McClellan family, go to GeraldMcClellan.com. And uh, you can do that very thing. Um, Lisa, thank you so very much. And I hope, wish you guys all, McClellan clan, a very happy holiday. Thank you so much. Same to you guys. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. This has been Lisa McClellan. And tell tell Gerald happy anniversary for winning that uh, WBO title on this day, 1991. I didn't even realize it until you said that. I certainly will. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Lisa. Appreciate you. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Bye-bye.